Welcome to episode number 42 of Off the Shelf. I guess I'll have to face the cold hard back. Hi, my name is Rod Bergen, and I want to welcome you to this week's episode of the Off the Shelf podcast. Off the Shelf is now being heard in over 100 countries, and we are glad you could join us. The aim of Off the Shelf is to help people know what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. The podcast is primarily directed at followers of the message of William Branham and former followers like ourselves. Joining me today is someone who's been with us on Off the Shelf previously, John Collins, the author of the Seek the Truth website, as well as several books on William Branham. Welcome, John. Hello, Rod. It's good to be back. John, we issued an invitation on this podcast some time ago, and we have done this on our website as well, to have any reputable message minister talk with us to answer some of the questions that we and many others have with respect to the message. To date, we've had no takers. Now, you know, my desire isn't to be confrontational, but it's simply for all those who are interested in the questions that we've raised and you've raised to simply hear an answer from a message perspective. Isn't that a reasonable request, John? Should message ministers be afraid of questions? No, if they are followers of Jesus Christ, then they should welcome questions. First Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you, but do it with gentleness and respect. John, we have a message minister who says that he's not afraid of the questions that we've raised. We listen to his sermon in its entirety. And I sent it to you, and I must say, for me, it was quite painful, uh, really painful. I had forgotten how bad message preaching actually is. For those of you who would like to be exposed to some much better preaching, I'm going to post some links on our website to show you the difference. Uh, John, how did you enjoy the experience of listening to this two-hour marathon? <laughs> well, I'll say it was. Uh, it brought back a lot of old memories. I'll, I'll put it that way. Some good, some bad. Um, to be honest, my feelings were more for the people that were in the service listening to this. Exactly. I can remember being in similar sermons that had a subject matter, how big or small it was, but stretched that same subject matter over the course of two hours by repeating it in various different arrangements and ways of saying the same exact thing over and over and over again. And I will say that being so far distanced from that, it was a little bit, it was a little bit painful trying to understand why the sermon was stretched out so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So we want to play an excerpt from a sermon by Pastor Whisper Gwenna. I think that's the way you say his name. The sermon is entitled Defending the Prophet, which was recorded in London, England 
on November the 17th, 2017. And actually, I think we are blending it with another sermon, not sure the date of it, which is entitled Divine Commentary on the Prophet. But again, these two sermons were by Pastor Whisper Gwenna, who is uh, pastoring a message church in London, England. Here is Pastor Gwenna speaking. So I'm not a person that runs away from these questions. Now, Pastor Gwenna also has something to say about myself and about our guest, John Collins. And when it comes to these people that I'm talking about, that I started talking about last week, (laughs) these I will call. And these are the brothers that were in Canada or are in Canada. And they ignited another brother that is in Jeffersonville. And this brother that is in Jeffersonville is actually the grandson of the former pastor of the Branham Tabernacle, Brother Collins. And this man is possessed of an evil spirit. The things that he's going to try and dig up and you wonder what, what is really the motive behind this? So don't get yourself confused and say, who is he talking about? I'm very specific. I'm talking about these brothers that came from Brother Biscoe's church. And I'm talking about this son, this grandson of Brother Collins. But these are the people who are spearheading a lot of the confusion that is being thrown within the message circles. And they've now gone to the extent of calling Brother Branham a false prophet. Now, the prophet says, watch their works, watch their fruits. You look at this Collins man. The women are now putting on trousers. They have been liberated to go back just into the Pentecostal realm. Now, you can never tell me that a woman putting on a trousers is the word of God. I'm way beyond that. You can never tell me that it's okay for a woman to preach because the Bible tells me I suffer not a woman to teach. Watch their fruits. Oh, look at these brothers that were in Brother Biscoe's church. They split from the church. Watch their fruits. If there is the right spirit inside of a man, the prophet says, if there is a problem in your church, stay there and solve your problem. That's when you have the right spirit. But when you have the spirit to split a church, you have a spirit to split the bride. John, what's your reaction to the allegation that you have an evil spirit? (laughs) Well, I believe he goes on to say that we're messengers of Satan. And it actually made me stop and consider an active career as an American politician. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In all seriousness, these claims by a minister who's presenting himself as a Christian are very troubling. Not so much for us. I think, I think both you and I know where we stand on yeah. the issues yeah. that you know he's attempting to address. But for his congregation, many of which were not aware that these issues in the message even exist, now they're suddenly faced with his version of the story. That's exactly right, John. And personally, I don't think he has anything to back up his claims. He accuses me of splitting the church that we attended, but he has no knowledge of the facts. If he did, then it means that he's okay with someone covering up the sexual abuse of a minor. So my question to Pastor Gwena is this, 
Are you being presumptuous? Or do you think it's okay for a minister in the message to cover up sexual abuse? It's one or the other. Pastor Gwena, are you aware that 10 out of the 11 deacons in the church left when I did? That all of the trustees left the church? And that three ministers left the church at the same time? And at the time, these people didn't leave the message. They simply could not stand by while sin remained in the pulpit. So my question to Pastor Gwena is this. Why do you insist on speaking of things that you have no knowledge? And then it raises the question, does this reflect on what you say about other issues? I think it does. And we're going to get into that momentarily. John, any other comments on this? Well, for me, and for those who follow my research, I was honestly a bit confused. When referring to my messenger of Satan spirit, quote unquote, he says that the fruits of my spirit are wearing pants. And of course I wear pants. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming (laughs) I'm assuming that, you know, by the other parts of his sermon that he's referring to former female message members who have chose to leave the Pentecostal holiness movement after leaving, after escaping the message. But it sounds like he's attempting to claim that my site and yours is persuading others to join a specific denomination that is, as he claims, avoiding the Bible. Yeah, which isn't true. (laughs) Exactly. Interestingly, he claims that I'm trying to persuade them into the Reformed Pentecostal faith simply because he himself hasn't spent much time researching the ones that he considers the enemy, which are you and myself. Yeah. Um, The part that was most troubling for me, honestly, is the fact that he violated the Ninth Commandment, and it bordered on slander. He seemed to make it sound as though he and others had reasoned with us unsuccessfully. And he claimed that because we allegedly refused the Bible discussions, he was leading his listeners to believe that Branham's doctrine had no scriptural conflict. Yet on our website, I know it's on yours, I know it's on mine, we have an entire section of the websites devoted towards identifying fundamental contradictions between William Branham's theology and the Bible. Some of them are direct conflicts with the words of Jesus Christ himself. And on my website, I have, you know, separated out into segments, there's an entire category for scriptural conflicts in William Branham's ministry. And, you know, what he claims is not only untrue, in my opinion, he seems to be purposefully misrepresenting the truth and in some instances outright lying about what is going on to his congregation. Yeah, that's a very good point. And Pastor Gwena talks about what he believes is an important distinction between facts and the truth. I'm going to play another excerpt from his sermon. It's a couple of minutes long, but it really is important to hear this in order to understand where he's coming from when he attempts to defend William Branham. Here's the clip. There is a difference between fact and truth. How many remember that? So if you are someone that is going to go on facts, for sure you will see the facts because the facts are there. But the question is, 
is the fact, the truth. And at that time, I gave you a very typical example of the difference between fact and truth. I said, my birthday, if you look on my passport, if you look on every legal document that I have, my birthday is the 3rd of January. So if you are going to look for facts, you would say I was born on the 3rd of January because that is what is on my documents. But that is not the truth. The truth is I was born on the 28th of January and not on the 3rd of January. But what is the difference? The difference is that during the war in Zimbabwe, my father was a headmaster and his office was bent down. And then he had to go and take new birth certificates. And when he went to take new birth certificate, he forgot my birthday. And he confused it with my sister. So I ended up with my sister's birthday. And mine, I don't know what happened to it. But my mother had told me what my birthday is. So therefore, I celebrate the correct one. Yeah, that's right. But if you are looking for facts, you will say I am lying. Yeah. There is a difference between fact and truth. John, is what Pastor Gwena saying valid? In order to answer this, we first have to define two terms. The definitions of the... Uh, the terms that he's bringing up in this sermon, if you look at the Oxford Dictionary, the first term is fact, which is defined as a thing that is indisputable in the case. It's basically the truth about the events as opposed to interpretation. Let me read that again. It, you know, it says a thing that is indisputable. You know, you cannot dispute this in the case that you're standing for. The truth about events as opposed to interpretation. So what is the truth? The concise Oxford Dictionary defines the truth as the quality or the state of being true. It's basically that which is true as opposed to that which is false. And a fact or a belief that is accepted as true. Truth is actually a quality of statements or propositions that agree with the things, the way things, that, the way they are. A, a proposition is simply a statement that's expressing judgment or opinion, but a fact is a statement that has the quality of being true. And I can't stress this enough. Truth is a property of a statement. It's something that is true. It, it's a statement that <laughs> agrees with reality. Yeah. And if a statement agrees with reality, it is true and it is considered to be a fact. Facts, in my opinion, actually not even in my opinion, facts are immovable. They are, they are the building blocks to truth. You have a, a collection of facts, and from those facts you can determine what is true. Yeah. If a statement is false, it disagrees with the facts, but it also dis disagrees with the reality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now... To move things to a scriptural perspective, truth is a quality of God. Speaking of God, both the psalmist in Psalm 119, 160, and Jesus in John 17, 17 affirm this, your word is truth. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being the spirit of truth, which we read in John 14, 17 and 1 John 5, 7. 
And we know that Jesus Christ himself is truth. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So Christ is the embodiment of truth. Truth that is both personal and absolute, eternal and relational, objective and experiential. And as the truth itself, Jesus reveals the truth about God, the universe, and their relationship. He is also the only way to the reestablishment of a right and accepting relationship with God. So, we know God is truth. His word and revelation are truth. His standard is truth. His intent is truth. And he relates to and calls people to and into the truth. So it's critical to know that God's servants and representatives are supposed to be people of truth. They are to reflect and point to the truth, which is Jesus Christ. They are to report and bear testimony to the truth. And the facts and the implications that they report must be accurate. In their own lives and activities, they're to tell the truth and be characterized by faithfulness and dependability as they live the truth. That's the standard of the New Testament. A couple of scriptures. In Colossians 3.9, Paul tells us, Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. And Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3.10, whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. And he goes on in 2 Peter 2.3 to tell us that false teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Now, we hear the story about Pastor Gwen's passport and his other legal documents. The problem is that they are not factually correct. They are in error. They aren't facts. They do not agree with reality. So why would he try to mislead us on the difference between facts and truth? Why would he try to tell us that when we hold something out to be a fact, it would not be truthful? It's just not the case. You know, there are a number of reasons why I think a message pastor would do this, but yeah. I think that's a different conversation for a different day. The real question is this, Rod, is the research that we have published on our websites and blog and publications, seekthetruth.com, seekyouthetruth.com, and believethesign.com, is that research factual? Yeah. Does it have yeah. the quality of being true? To date, only a handful of people have contacted us with on my website with reason to believe that the research that I've published is not factual. It's, you know, they're trying to say that it's not true. And in each case, we willingly examined it. Some cases we found that they were correct. Some face cases we found that they were not correct, and we helped them to understand why. But in each case that they found there was an actual error on the website, something that was not true, we have posted a public apology and a correction to the blog explaining that what we said was incorrect, how we made the mistake, and also explained the truth. This is truth that people have given us and submitted to us, and they have said, your website is incorrect, here are the facts, and we published the apology. And, you know, in each instance, we always reiterate, if you can find anything in our research that is incorrect, yeah. 
and you can supply evidence to support your claim, we will issue a public apology and a correction to the article. Has anybody contacted you, Rod? Uh, we've had one person that contacted us to say that we had the location of the marriage and divorce service incorrect, which was true. We had it, we had it wrong. But that's it. Nothing of substance to date has anybody contacted us to say we needed to correct it. Rod, if it can be shown that William Branham was not truthful, that he did not hold the truth in high regard, and not only that, that he regularly told stories that were not true, wouldn't this be a, a sign, or wouldn't this be showing that he could not be, and in fact was not, a representative of God? Absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. And we will provide multiple links on the off-the-shelf page for this podcast that show that William Branham was not truthful and did not hold the truth in high regard. I'm going to bring this part of our discussion with John Collins to a close. Please be sure to tune in next week to the continuation of our discussion of Whisper Gwenna's defense of William Branham. If you have a question or comment, please feel free to go to our website at offtheshelf.life. There is a comment section at the bottom of every episode's webpage, or you're welcome to send an email to rod at offtheshelf.life. Have a great week, and thanks for listening. I guess I'll have to face the cold heart.